Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. Each week, we interview top experts in physical therapy, pain science, and integrative pain care. You'll learn the most up-to-date information for treating and reversing persistent pain. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, thanks for joining me for this week's episode of the Healing Pain Podcast. Today, we're discussing the power of massage and manual therapy and how it can be used to manage pain and discomfort in infants and children. Our expert guest this week is Christine Robinalt. Christine graduated from Marquette University in 2001 with a master's degree in physical therapy. Although she's worked in many, many different practice settings, pediatrics is both her specialty as well as her passion. In addition to her degree in physical therapy, she's also a certified infant massage instructor through Living Touch International and has additional in-depth training in primitive reflex integration. Christine has also furthered her education by completing the Integrative Pain Science Institute's Functional Nutrition for Chronic Pain Practitioner Certification Program and implements evidence-based nutrition education for both children and their families. On today's episode, you'll learn all about the research supporting the benefits of massage for infants and children when you can start massaging your infant, and if there are any conditions when you should not perform massage on your infant or child, what to do if your child is bothered by massage, doesn't like to be touched, or maybe won't sit still. Christine will provide a free video demonstration, so hopefully you can access this on the blog at the Integrated Pain Science Institute, and she'll teach you how to help an infant or child with pain from constipation. Christine has also provided you with a free PDF download all about massage for infants. After downloading and reading this handout, you'll feel confident and excited to begin massage with your child, and you'll learn how massage and other sensory experiences directly impact your child's growth, development, and learning. To download this PDF, all you have to do is text the word 156DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. That's 156DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. Or you can type in the URL www integrative pain science institute.com forward slash one five six download okay let's begin and let's meet my friend and colleague christine robinald hey christine welcome to the healing pain podcast i'm excited that you're here i'm so excited to join you joe thank you for inviting me this is the first time we're going to be talking about massage actually on the podcast and we're going to really dial down to a very specific part of massage which i know you're an expert in which is infant and child massage Tell us who you are. I read your bio, of course, in the beginning, but tell us who you are and what your practice looks like. Okay. Well, I am a pediatric physical therapist, but I've just started getting into pediatrics maybe about 10 years now. Prior to that, I worked everywhere. I worked in the skilled nursing facilities, acute care, the schools, the VA. I did telehealth. So I was pretty much like a jack of all trades. And I kind of was feeling after being a therapist for 10 years or so that it was time to get a little more specialty. So I always wanted to work in pediatrics. I love children. At the time, I think I was pregnant with my first child. So I started to work for pediatric home care, which is a completely different animal than adult home care. And I enjoyed it immensely. And that's kind of what I've stuck with. I've done some other things since then, but always have come back to pediatric home care. So now you see, obviously, children and as well as their parents, because of course, you're working closely with parents and all of that is done from the home. Yes, I go into their homes in Colorado. We, in the United States, we have early intervention for zero to three. 
So that's a lot of the children I work with. So not only do I see them in their home, but I can see them in their natural environment. Mm -hmm. So I can see them at the park, at the pool. That's really great to get out and work with them at the library. Anywhere that they would naturally be, I can go. Sounds like fun. PT in the park. <laughs> PT in the park. Let's I think we need to do that with more adults too. And yes, I would love to. Create a context of play for people, which is so important when it comes to movement. So when we think about massage, I think the first thing that comes to mind, especially for most adults, is I'm on vacation and I go and I get a massage at the spa after the time at the pool, or I go with my friends on the weekend, we have lunch, and then we go for a massage. Why is massage important for children and infants, and what are the benefits? That's a great question. All of the benefits that we realize as adults are also true for children, like you said, relaxation, stress management. And when you think about infants and children, we might think, well, what stress do those little guys have? But they have a lot of stress in growing and just trying to get a sleep schedule, trying to accommodate to other people's demands on them. So tons of things. Then we can talk about preterm infants. And so the research in the area of touch and massage has really exploded, I would say, since the early 90s and absolutely shows us benefits to, well, preterm infants can get out of the hospital up to six days sooner. And being in the NICU, they can gain, the study showed, 42% more weight than the infants that weren't receiving massage. And they estimated the cost savings, if we were talking about across the United States, in the billions of dollars, if we could get massage into all of the NICUs to get these kids gaining weight faster. So even though it doesn't work that way for adults, we don't gain weight because we get massage. It helps regulate their body, they think maybe through insulin. So that's for infants. Great bonding for infant and mother. There's research that supports that when a mother gives the child a massage, they have decreased rate of postpartum depression. Teen moms have better nurturing and self-coping skills when they're providing massage to their babies. It's another way for dads to be involved or for the other partner to be involved in care. And so there's that type of bonding, but it helps with digestion. It helps for overall circulation, can improve sleep. It also helps motor development. So that's a humongous one for me as a physical therapist and probably the one that I focus on the most, but obviously all the other benefits I can't get rid of. So you mentioned premature infants and you mentioned obviously you're working in home care. You're seeing children either in their home or in other places where they're spending a lot of time. What kind of diagnoses are you seeing in your practice? I have a variety of diagnoses from children who have absolutely no diagnosis to cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, spina bifida, autism. And again, a lot of the children don't have a diagnosis, especially in early intervention they just have to have a percentage of delay to their peer group. They don't have to have a diagnosis. So, right. so, so their development is delayed or they have failure to thrive. And that's typically just kind of the blanket net term that they're providing for a diagnosis. Absolutely. But it helps everyone. And the beauty of infant massage, because I am obviously do it myself in the sessions, but the theory behind it is that the caregivers are doing it that you're not taking your child to a practitioner, that once you learn these massage techniques, no matter who you are, no matter what your child is, you can be offering this gift of massage to your child. And especially for the parents that I work with who have so many medical concerns for their child, who everything is about when are we going to do the next tube feed or when do we need to do the next medication, 
this is the time for them to offer something very therapeutic in a non-clinical way. It's so important because there's that bonding period. I don't know, I don't necessarily know the time of that bonding period between the parent and the child. I imagine between zero to one and a half, that's so important as people or as children are working through the developmental stages. One of the things that I don't have children, so I don't know, but I would imagine that when a child is born that has challenges and has health challenges, that a parent may be a little bit apprehensive or have anxiety about working with or touching their child. At what age can a parent start this type of massage for their infant? Absolutely. We can start it with day one. You could technically start it in utero by massaging your belly, for sure. (laughs) But day one, even for babies who are in the NICU, if the doctor clears them and can be allowed to touch kangaroo care, getting them to your chest. So, you know, I'll take a step back. So we have massage and these massage sequences, and then we just have touch. And that is what you're talking about too, like let alone just doing any sort of particular sequence of strokes or movements, we want to be able to feel comfortable to pick up our babies. And it's good to pick up our babies and we cannot spoil them in that first 12 to 15 months. Absolutely. There's no spoiling going on. They need that attachment. And so you mentioned kangaroo postures. Is that what you said? Kangaroo care. Kangaroo care. Tell us what that is. So that's basically like chest to chest and getting that baby right up on you to feel your skin. It's wonderful if you can do it immediately after birth, after the baby's delivered to get up onto the mom's chest, but even all throughout the first weeks to months to be able to have a lot of skin to skin time. Baby gains bacteria from you, healthy bacteria, by nuzzling its face against your chest. So there's so many things besides just, oh, it feels nice. But that's part of it too, right? So all these things, when we talk about what it can do for us for relaxation, massage and touch, it releases endorphins, it releases serotonin and dopamine in our bodies, oxytocin, the love hormone. And not only does it release it in the child or infant that we're providing the massage to, but many of those same chemicals are released in the caregiver's body as well. So that's a bonus. Yeah, that oxytocin is so important when you look at attachment attachment between child and mother and mother and child or father and mother, father and child. So important. You look at the whole theory of attachment. A lot of it's based on, okay, how do we work on the release of oxytocin through our interactions with other human beings, which is so interesting if you look at some of that literature. Is there any concern, precaution, contraindication that a parent should have with regard to touch and massage for, let's say, an infant who may have some health challenges? Right. Well, as with anything, as a healthcare provider, I must say, talk with your doctor first. But apart from that, if there is an infection going on on the skin, I wouldn't want you spreading that infection someplace else with the massage. So either avoid that area completely. That's what I would say. Avoid that area that has an infection completely, particularly the face or the eyes. So if the child has some pink eye or an infection in the eye, we're not going to be wanting to wipe it across the face any broken bones, we wouldn't be providing massage over that. But even with cancer, it's not contraindicated to do that with a child who has cancer, that we want that touch. So that would not be something that would be contraindicated. Those are the big ones, even for a child who has like a tracheostomy or a G-tube, all of those things are okay to work around. Thinking about the developmental process, uh, I know I work with a lot of families who are afraid to put their babies on their bellies because they have a G-tube or because they have a trach. 
and that we might have to prop them up a little bit or change the positioning, but absolutely we want to be doing those positions. We want them to receive the touch just like every other child. They're not different in that way. I would argue they need that more. Mm, Interesting. So babies cry. I've worked with pediatric therapists before and have younger siblings and cousins, things like that. Babies are going to cry. What if someone's listening to this episode and they're really excited to do this and they start working with their child or their infant and they start to cry or they're a little finicky and it looks like they're not liking what's happening? Okay, great for you to be noticing that something is not right with the baby. Is the fact that you're giving the massage? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe they're cold. (laughs) Maybe they're hungry. So as adults, we have to decipher or interpret the signals that our baby and children are telling us. And they do that with nonverbal language because they're not using language, or at least not the young ones are. And even when a child does get older enough to have words to say how they're feeling, they still may not be able to express themselves completely. So I would kind of assess the situation and kind of take care of those things. Oh, gosh, that light above my head is really bright. I better turn that down. Or it is kind of chilly in this room. So basically, we want to always have at least one layer more than what we're wearing if we're dealing with a newborn or a couple months old that that baby doesn't quite have in the first two months of life is still working on state regulation, controlling their body temperature. So always put on one extra layer for them. But for doing the massage and they don't like the particular touch that we're doing, you can change the touch, maybe make it a little firmer or a little softer because we are all sensory beings, you and I included, and we all get information in from our environment. And Joe, do you have a particular food that you don't like? Oh, yeah. Which food don't you like? Oh, God. I'm trying not to like eat foods I don't like, but I don't. Oh, wait. Don't. You avoid doing something you don't like? I do. Yep. Huh. And our children do the same. So whether it is, I don't know, mustard, if you don't like the flavor of mustard, well, that's not good or bad that you don't like the flavor of mustard. But for a child who doesn't like to be just touched, again, another sensory stimulus that they're not accepting, we don't want to avoid. (laughs) I want to find that just right balance. So my suggestion to a parent who is trying to give a massage and the kid is squirmy, try to take a look at your environmental factors and get those taken care of. If the child's really not in a calm and alert state right now, no matter what you do, they're not going to accept the massage. So again, whether you're zero or a hundred, we need to be in a calm and alert state for new learning and for listening. And we see this with our kids all the time. We probably see this with our partners. If you're watching TV and someone's talking to you, you're attending to the TV. You're not attending to this other auditory stimulus that's coming in. So you might be calm, but you're not alert. (laughs) It's the same thing with our kids. If our baby's crying or fussy and we can't kind of soothe them by talking or some soft touch, it's probably best to choose a different time, different time, different stroke type. And then kind of seeing tomorrow if I do this again or later in the afternoon, if I do this again, do they give me the same reaction? And being a little bit curious about what that might mean, the fact that they don't like it is a big sign that this is actually what they need. But we just have to pull it back a little bit. And when we deal with infants or with children who have special medical challenges, or any child for that matter, really, in our mind, we might think, okay, I'll take it back to this step, or I'll only do it this much. And it still may not be enough. So I feel like I have to see it like a sticky note pad in my head, and maybe taking off 
like the whole layer of sticky notes is going to be too much or I have to peel off the layer one at a time and figure out what that just right layer is and start there. So be curious, try some different things, see what happens on the other side of their body. Do they respond the same? And then you'll start to cue into the things that your child is becoming more comfortable with and looking at their facial expressions, how their body is. So if they're really tight or tense, that's a sign that they're not enjoying this. If they're able to be more relaxed or they're able to make some gentle eye contact with you, they're completely looking away. Again, they're a little bit overwhelmed with this situation. So it may not just be crying. And crying may not mean that they aren't enjoying the massage. There might be something else that's going on. Right. So first is obviously check your environment. Make sure they have at least one layer of clothing on. So the baby would have one layer of clothing on. And then it sounds like what you're saying is to titrate the amount of time you're providing the intervention and or the type of touch, whether it's too light or too soft or too pokey or Mm -hmm. too firm, all those can be a factor that is possible with. And really what you're saying is that as children, as infants, their babies are learning about their environment. So they're taking in all the sounds and smells and touches. And some of those things can be a little concerning for a baby, but over time they get used to it. So they become accommodated to it. Just like us as adults sometimes get used to certain things that are noxious in our environment that as adults we have to kind of put up with because it's just, it's just part of life. Absolutely. And I think there's a difference between something that is harmful and a noxious stimulus and something that we just prefer or don't prefer right now. And, and obviously, if the amount of pressure you really are providing is causing a lot of immediate redness or something, then yeah, back off because maybe that is hurting them. But for the most part, no, it is this adjusting to this new sensory stimulus. And in babies, because they don't have any experience before this, all of our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings are stemming from sensory experiences. So they're working from the bottom up. As adults or older children, we've done things before. We have something to draw from. Our hippocampus can pull back some memories of, oh yeah, I did this before. So we can use more of that top-down approach to even like say, oh wait, I did this before. I didn't like it, but I'm going to be okay with it right now. A baby doesn't have that ability to (laughs) cognitively process that or the experiences to go from. I want to backtrack to something you said earlier in the episode. And if I remember this statistic correctly, you said infants, I believe, who do not receive touching care are 42% more likely to put on weight or a statin there. I may, it went over real fast and I'm like, I have to write that down. We have to come back. I'm sorry. So Tiffany Field at the University of Miami and she has a Touch Research Institute. She's got a wealth of information about this. So she's definitely the forerunner of touch and massage across the ages, but particularly for preterm infants, they've done a lot of research. So basically what they did is they had a 15-minute protocol that they did three times a day, so 45 minutes total. And for those infants that were, they were in the NICU and they were able to leave the hospital six days sooner than the control group who didn't receive the massage. And they gained weights 42% faster than the control group. So that's a good thing. Right. So in that case, children gaining weight is a good thing because these are babies who are born prematurely with low weight. Yes. So I shouldn't say they gain weight 42% faster. They gain 42% more weight than the control group. Which is huge and very important. Yeah, because that's usually one of the indicators of when they can leave the hospitals, that they can sustain their weight and that they are showing that they're thriving and ready to leave the security of the hospital. Excellent. Thank you for clarifying that. 
Now, the other side of that coin, because I know you work with not only babies, but children, adolescents, thinking about weight on the other side of that, how much is childhood obesity something that you're seeing in your practice and something that you address? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. It actually is one of the reasons I became so much interested in nutrition and looking for more information because I am seeing that in kids that I'm working with in their siblings. And it is very concerning. And I will say that there is no research to support that giving a child a massage who is a full term that this will increase weight. <laughs> but it is something that I think could be an adjunct to help, again, support digestion, support overall well-being, and encourage, like, so let's say we do the massage and we know that it releases the serotonin and the dopamine and that makes us feel good. So this child who really is kind of more of a couch potato who doesn't like to move, if we can do these massages with them and help stimulate their body, that can help them get more excited about getting up and moving. And also just having that interaction with our child. So I'm a mom of three. So if I give each of my kids a massage for 15 minutes a night, that's 45 minutes of my time, but that's good. I need to do that for that bonding to help them know that I'm there for them. So we talk about the day and that connection. And so I think that too, like taking time to show that I have an interest in my child can help that child feel better about themselves and want to move and want to play. We're all, our entire bodies are connected, right? We're not just our muscles and our weights. Everything works together. And massage can be a really easy, simple way to help unify all of that. I have not specifically used it in my practice to address obesity, but sure enough, we do use it for the digestion and just that bonding. For the older kids, the kids who are obese, you notice that that's a bit of a problem for them. Have you started to fold some nutrition education into your practice? Yes, for sure. Both at the child level, if they're old enough, as well as with at the parent level. And kind of taking, trying to meet the parent where they're at and understanding what's working in their lives right now and what's not. Because if they can come up with something that's not working for them right now, then I have a great way in versus me coming and saying, you know, you really need to do, they're not going to be very receptive. So I have had some parents, once I kind of started talking about that, then ask me additional questions or what would you recommend or what do you think about this? So I really like that when the parent can take some of the information that I've started and then they have started going a little bit further. But I also have parents who are on the opposite side of that. So I'll present the information, I'll go to the doctor's appointments with them, and they really still are resistant to making changes. And it may be just that they're fearful of making the change, so we have more work to do. Or it may be something that they're not ready for yet, which I'll just continue on my other things and continue to provide the information to them. It's such an important position, though, because if you're working with probably, I would think in most cases, the mom, but obviously both parents, that if you can help the parents change or educate them about their eating habits and their decisions, of course, it's going to help that your immediate patient, which is their infant or their child, but the entire family, actually, which can have a tremendous impact on their health. Hands down, you can't just, the, our children, first of all, are going to be always mirroring us. So if we are eating chips, they're going to be wondering why they can't eat chips out of the bag on the couch. So setting up a space where your pantry is full of foods that you want them to eat, 
And like I said, I have three kids myself, so I do speak a lot of personal experience of things that, not to say that what I did is the right thing, but these are some options or these are some struggles that I had and this is how I overcome it or the resources I look to so that they don't feel alone. Lots of times parents will say to me, I've never thought of that. I didn't realize that was connected. And my answer to them is, of course you didn't. You're the parent working on so many other things. Like that's what I'm here for right now is to help you. So don't feel bad that you didn't know. We only know so much at the time. And when we gain more information, then we can make changes from there. Yeah, it's a big, great resource for people. And it's a big part of what we do as practitioners is we are a massive resource to help people cope with what's happening in their life or what's happening in their infant or their child's life. Can you describe for us a sequence of massage so people have an idea of like what this might look like? Yes. So first of all, I'll say that massage is instinctual. So this has been going on across the world for centuries. So many different cultures incorporate massage. So the sequences that I might recommend or that you could find on my website are kind of a menagerie of different sequences. So I was trained through Loving Touch International, and then I took those sequences in addition to some of the other reflex integration work that I do, and I kind of put it together in my own sequence. But you as a mom, as a dad, as an aunt, grandparent, intuitively know how to do this. So that's one. Secondly, there have been some studies done where they had people stroke a wooden board and stroke something that was more like a skin or felt more like skin. And what they noticed was that when they went to stroke the wooden board, the strokes were random, were hard, were no real rhythm to it. And then when you were stroking the soft piece of material, people were stroking it within a certain range of centimeters per second. And that happens to correlate with the same rate of stimulation for our C efferent nerve fibers. So our C efferent nerve fibers help bring information from our skin to our brain. And that is instinctual in us that we just know to stroke the skin at a certain rate. So trust your instincts, go with your gut, use your right brain, and do what feels right to you and your child. But if you're somebody who needs a little more direction, I've got your back. So we could start off with, I think feet and hands are incredibly important to massage. There are so many reflexes. There's a whole study of reflexology, but apart from that, there are so many infant reflexes that begin in our hands and our feet. And so in order to gain active control of our body, we need to have those reflexes integrated. And so one way to do it is by stimulating them. So we could just start with the hands since mine's up here. You can use oil. You don't have to use any oil, but if you are, especially for your infant or child, I would highly recommend a food-grade oil. So olive oil, coconut oil, almond oil, something that if they do put it in their mouth, it's not going to be toxic. I really caution against using any sort of synthetic or baby oil because it can cause a lot of skin irritation and it is not a good thing for your child to be ingesting. And no baby powders. So talks and baby powders can get into our lungs and cause breathing difficulties. So please stay away from that. You don't have to use the oil though. In fact, for a child who is kind of hypersensitive to touch, sometimes I'll tell parents to put a sock on over their hand or their foot or do it over their clothing if they're hypersensitive. So just start off with the palm of their hands. And the first thing you'll do is you'll take each of your thumbs and go up and out. 
And then you'll go ahead, after you've done that stroke three to five times, all of these strokes are about three to five times, you're gonna go ahead and roll each finger. And while you're doing this, because you're talking with your infant or your child, you're singing a song, you're looking at them, you might be kind of making some silly faces and really engaging with your child. And then the next one that you will do is called circles in the center. And so you can do it with both of your thumbs at the same time, just making the circles. For a little baby, expect them to grip your, your hand. That's normal. You can also massage a little bit lower into their lower part of their wrist. And you should watch their fingers extend. So that's a nice, simple hand sequence. And it really can only take like two minutes, three minutes to do that on both hands. Great to do during diaper changes. Great to do if you're waiting in the line for whatever. So you can add massage in two, three minutes throughout your day. It doesn't have to be, we're going to have a massage now. Excellent. I feel better just watching you do that. Cool. (laughs) Of course, this podcast is video recorded. If you want to check out the the great demonstration that Christine just did, you can, of course, go to the website at the integrativepainscienceinstitute.com and click on the podcast tab and then scroll down and look for the episode called The Power of Massage, Managing Pain and Discomfort in Infants and Children. And you'll be able to fast forward to the end there and see everything that Christine just did, which is awesome because you can use this on your kid right away and help them out. Christine, it's been great chatting with you about this important topic that we haven't covered before. Tell everyone how they can learn more about you. Yeah, you can find me at Sweet Pea Pediatric Wellness. So I have a website and that'll be in your show notes. (laughs) You can email me directly. And that email is Sweet Pea Infant Massage Classes at gmail.com. So you can reach me there and I'd be happy to answer any of your questions. I do did make a chat bot. So if you use Facebook Messenger there, if you go to my website or in the PDF that you guys can ask for, there'll be a link to a chat bot through Facebook Messenger to get your own personalized massage sequence with some pictures and interact with me that way. Excellent. So I'll include all those links on this episode's page at the integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. And of course, all those links will also be in the free gift. So make sure that you download this week's free gift, which Christine created for all of you. All right. I'm Dr. Joe Tata. It's been a pleasure being with you. Make sure you share this podcast out with your friends and family, especially if you have friends and family who are helping manage pain and discomfort in their infants or children, or you know a pediatric practitioner, whether it's a physical therapist or an OT, or perhaps a pediatric nurse, or even a pediatric physician. This is great information for them. Stay tuned and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. To subscribe to the podcast and learn more, visit integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. That's integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. Sign up to receive weekly updates, leave a review on iTunes, and share this episode with your friends.